welcome back to the Love Well Podcast. It is good to have you with me here this week. Uh, we are live on Facebook and YouTube and all that good stuff. Um, and uh, Twitter, we're live there as well. And so if you're listening in this uh, on the audio podcast, uh, just know that uh, if you follow me on some of the social medias, you will. Uh, you can also catch this live. Uh, if you want the video uh, version of this, it will be archived uh, at youtube.com slash Daniel Rose. And uh, so you can, you can always, always head over there and catch uh, the video archives. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Daniel M. Rose. Uh, that's the easiest way to kind of uh, keep up with me on the socials and uh, also uh, to be notified when when I go live uh, with podcast recording, it's kind of been a, a fun thing to record the podcast uh, live and uh, you know publish it uh, via the social medias uh, that way. It's been a been a good discipline for me, and I don't know. It seems like it's been helpful for folks. Um, this is uh, you know our Sunday Sunday on a Tuesday, <laughs> uh, trying to trying to get back in the rhythm of doing it on Mondays. But with um, you know Labor Day and everything yesterday, uh, Monday just didn't happen. So here we are on Tuesday morning, uh, recording this thing, and uh, and we are in uh, into part three of our seven part series on Jesus's "I Am" statements from the Gospel of John. Um, this is where Jesus uh, takes some time to basically through these seven statements uh, declare who He is. He he makes, uh, you know, he makes his his identity known uh, to to the people and to the world. And so, uh, this is uh, this is a, a really good really good snapshot of you know trying to understand how Jesus understood himself. So that's that's why we're taking the time to to walk through these things. If you want to. Uh, be a part of the real life conversation, uh, you can do so by joining us at a missional community. Uh, we gather in um, Fowlerville, we gather in Ypsilanti, and uh, we're working on some other, developing some other places as well, uh, but we'll wait wait on that for a minute. Uh, but you can get all those details at acts13.net slash events. So I hope that you will uh, check check that out because uh, it's just a, a great way to start the week um, with with missional community. We gather uh, pre-COVID. We would do dinner together and, uh, and hang out and laugh and tell stories. And um, then we would spend a little bit of time in the scriptures and share communion together. Right now, though, we are uh, you know kind of doing things a little bit differently. We're gathering outside and uh, social distance, you know, physically distancing, all that good stuff. And uh, we are, um, we've kind of put dinner and communion on the shelf for a minute uh, until we feel, until our leadership feels, though, uh, that it's uh, safe to resume doing those things. Um, but until now, uh, you know, but right now you guys can come hang out. Uh, we get around, we, we talk about the scriptures together in community. And then we... Uh, spend spend some time praying for one another and, and kind of hearing 
what's going on in each other's lives. So it's a great way to start your week, uh, Sunday nights. And uh, yeah, you can find out all that information uh, right here, uh, Missional Community Details, uh, x13.net slash events. And as always, you can subscribe to uh, the podcast um, real easy at danielmrose.com. Just jump in there and uh, drop your email address, subscribe. New episodes get dropped right into your inbox. Uh, if uh, I write something, uh, that also gets dropped in your inbox. And, um, you know, it's been a minute since I've, since I've written Uh you know, for, for the website, uh, but primarily because this, this experience here of, of, uh, recording and doing some Facebook live, Twitter live, uh, YouTube live kind of stuff, uh, has just been, it's been really good. And, uh, you know, I think, I think I've gotten a little bit more traction. So, uh, we're going to, we're going to kind of keep rolling and, and trying different things. And, you know, the writing will probably come back at some point cause I love it. And, uh, you know, I guess I do it, do it for me more than anyone else. But, um, yeah. Uh, so I think those are kind of the announcements. I think that's kind of the, the info you need, um, or that I want to pass on to you that I think you need. And, uh, so let's, let's jump in, shall we? Uh, today we are in John chapter 10 verses seven through 10. And, uh, it goes like this says, Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now our next few conversations, uh, we are going to find this, uh, I have come, they might have life and have it to the full thing, uh, come back, uh, a number in a number of different ways. Uh, I think, I think for me, one of the things that I'm, that I'm realizing is, uh, this second half of verse 10, I have come, they might have life and might have it to the full is, has been shaping my understanding of what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to, uh, be a Christian uh, more than, more than most, uh, of the verses and, and passages in scripture, because this little verse, uh, this little half a verse really, um, goes to this kind of question of what does it look like for human beings to flourish? And I think in, in God's world, this is what he wants. He wants his image bearers to have a life of flourishing. That he wants, he wants our lives to be full. He doesn't, he's not a cosmic killjoy, right? I mean, I think this is, this is the way a lot of folks think about God, that, that he's just, he's just out there to shut things down. Uh, it's a list of do's and don'ts and uh, whatever you do, don't do this, don't do that. Man, that is, that is not it. This is not what God is about. God is about us having life and life to the full. And God is about, so God is about his creation flourishing. See, we are image bearers. We bear his image. 
when you interact with your neighbor, when you interact with uh, that person down the street, you are interacting with an image bearer. I mean, C.S. Lewis says things like, um, you know, the, the most holy thing that we interact with outside of, of the Eucharist, outside of, of communion, is our neighbor. And I think that's, I think that's really true. And I think that's really, a really helpful way of understanding uh, the people around us, even more so helping us to understand who we are. Because we are image bearers, and God's desire for us is to flourish. He wants, he wants us to have life and have it to the full. And, and we get this picture here uh, that Jesus lays out for us in John 10, 7 through 10, where he says, I am the gate. I am the gate. Now remember, this I am statement goes all the way back uh, to Moses hanging out and talking with God uh, before he went to go lead the people of Israel out of, out of bondage, out of slavery, and into freedom. And he wanted to know God's name. And God said, well, my name is I am that I am. And, you know, this, this little phrase, I am, uh, became, became a, a special way of talking about God. It, was, it is His name. And so for Jesus to take the I am part, um, He is revealing to the world and, uh, that, that He self-understands, that He understands Himself as the divine, as God. And so, you know, we, we, have to, we have to understand what a big deal these I am statements are. And so you can go back, if you go back to part one, you get a little more full conversation about the, the centrality and the importance of the I am statements. Um, but here in John 10, we have this really intriguing statement by Jesus where he says, I am the gate. And that's a, that's a, that's a weird thing um, for someone to say that they are, <laughs> right? Um, so what, is, what does he mean here? What, what is going on with the I am the gate thing? Well, first of all, we have to understand this in, in its broader context. Uh, you know, so, so we're going to go back here and we're going to do some very high level seminary um, kind of teaching here. All right, went to it took four years, four years of, of seminary classes to understand this. You ready? Hold on to your seats. This is big. John chapter nine comes before John chapter ten. Yep, I know it's a shocker. John nine informs John ten. You see, our our chapter breaks. Um, you know these big numbers and little numbers for chapters and verses, and even more so uh, are the, the headings that our Bibles drop in. Uh, they're not very helpful because they break up the flow of the story. And they, they oftentimes create in our minds unnatural breaks, breaks that, that really aren't intended to be there. John 9 and John 10, they flow together. They are, they are, one, they are one whole. Um, and so, so for us to understand what is going on here in John 10, 7 through 10, we have to understand 
what happened in John chapter 9 first. All right? And we even have to understand briefly, we've we got to take a quick look uh, at what happens here in John chapter 1, uh, 1 through 6. Because it gives us a little bit of insight into what's going on into John 10, 7 through 10. So, uh, let's set a little background. Right? John chapter 9. What, what happens? Well, it opens up with uh, Jesus and the boys, uh, you know, walking. Now, it says the disciples, and so it probably also included uh, the women who followed along after Jesus. So it was Jesus uh, and the fellows and the ladies. Uh, they were they're walking, and they see a man blind from birth. And the disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, this is a really common way of understanding the world at this time. Uh, the thought was that physical illness displayed spiritual realities. So if you, you know, if you were blind, if you had cancer, if you were, uh, you know, if there was something going on problematically uh, with you physically, it was due to sin. Uh, and in this case, this man was born blind. He, he came out of the womb blind. He'd never known a day with sight. So the disciples wanted to know who sinned, whose responsibility was this? Is the sin, um, you know, is the sin on the dude or is the sin on the parents? And Jesus says, hey, neither, neither, nor, neither this man nor his parents. Is, that wasn't the issue. Um, it happened so the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. We hit on light of the world already uh, earlier, right? So, um, you know, so we have this, this, this situation here. And uh, so what does Jesus do? Well, he spits and does some really gross stuff and, and heals the man. Um, and, uh, and he says, hey, go be washed. And the guy comes home seeing, um, and there's a lot of confusion. And so the Pharisees bring in this man. Now, the Pharisees were basically the evangelicals, right? I mean, these were, um, these were the people that cared deeply about the Bible. They cared deeply uh, to, uh, about living holy lives, of being good, moral, God-fearing people. We give the Pharisees a bad rap, but for those of us who, uh, you know, go to church on the regular, uh, for those of us that read our Bibles and pray and do that kind of thing, we probably would have been aligned with the Pharisees back in the first century. So we got to be careful about just dogging out the Pharisees all the time. Um, but just like us, they tend to major on the minors and they tend to uh, get a lot of stuff um, really wrong. And that's what happens when you seek to be the people that are in uh, control of religious life and religious freedom and religious identity, right? You get a lot of things wrong because what happens is you begin to filter it through your likes and your dislikes and you begin to miss out on the grace and the mercy uh, that, that we see ultimately in Christ. Uh, now, the Pharisees were doing the best they could, but they were still missing the trajectory uh, that, that gets laid out, right? That gets laid out in the Old Testament. When we, 
when we read through it carefully, we begin to see uh, a trajectory of grace uh, begin to come out uh, very clearly, uh, even in the Old Testament, that, that oftentimes gets this bad rap as being, uh, you know, a test, you know, stories of, of an angry God. And, um, you know, if we read it closely, that's not really the picture that we get. So, so the Pharisees bring him in, and, uh, and they don't like what he has to say. And so they bring in his parents. And his parents, it says, um, you know, they ask the question, is this your son? Is this the one you say was born blind? In verse 19, how is it that now he can see? Verse 20, we know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how he can see now, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders, who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. You see, uh, the religious leaders of the time had, according to John, decided already that if you were following Jesus as the Messiah, they would, they would remove you from the synagogue. Now, we don't see tons of evidence of this um, historically, right? So a lot of the commentators think that you know, this, was, this, is, this was kind of put in. Uh, John's commentary here uh, may have been put in um, you know, to, to kind of show that what was happening in his time near the end of the first century had roots all the way back into Jesus's life, right? And this is this was a common way of writing history and doing things in the first century. Remember that history uh, written in the first century is different than the kind of history that that gets written uh, today. So there's this there's this mix here. And John is also writing a gospel. He's not writing pure, unadulterated history. And so, you know, so there's there's this problem here. And so they bring in the guy. And, you know, they say, tell the truth. Give glory to God. Tell the truth. And, uh, and Jesus, and the guy replied, you know, he's the one that, he is the one that healed me. The Pharisee said, we know he's a sinner. We know that Jesus is a sinner. Think about the, this, right? Why is he a sinner? He is a sinner because he, because Jesus has said, I am. Jesus has said, I am the light of the world. Jesus has made clear that he is God. So they, they kick the guy out. They kick him out of the synagogue. They say, hey, you're out. You're not a part of this community anymore. And they kick him out of his, out of, out of his community of faith. Jesus hears about this, and, uh, and he goes and he finds him. I love this picture of Jesus' compassion right? This is Jesus living out uh, the man who goes to find his one lost sheep or his lost coin. Uh, this, this is Jesus really living out the parables that we see him teach in Luke chapter 15. Uh, and, uh, and he asks the guy, he says, do you believe in the son of man? Who is he, sir? The man asked, tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what? Are we blind too? Jesus said, if you were blind, 
you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. So Jesus here is, is pushing against um, pushing against a lot of the standard way that, uh, that the religious folks of the time thought, taught, and led and engaged with their community. And, uh, and so now Jesus goes into this whole thing about uh, sheep and pens and all kinds of other stuff, right? And, and in verse 6, uh, after he's laid out uh, this, this, little, this little statement here in verses 1 through 5 that I'm not going to read, uh, he says, Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees didn't understand what he was telling them. Now, figure of speech here is different than the word for parable. And uh, in some of the guys, some of the scholars that I, that I was reading on this, um, they say this is important. This is an important distinction, and I think it, I think they're right. Um, Jesus here is using an illustration. He's not telling a parable, and and so a parable. When we read through parables, we are oftentimes looking for uh, parallels, one to one kind of identification of. You know, what does this character represent and, and, and that kind of thing. And we also begin looking for uh, kind of a, uh, a, a center moral statement within the story, kind of the main point that the story is making. But here in John chapter 10, Jesus is, is giving an illustration. That's what figure of speech is. He's just using this idea of sheep, gates, pens, all this kind of stuff as illustrations of what he's trying to explain to these guys. We do this all the time. I mean, you know, whether you're sitting in a classroom, you know, in college or uh, our high school teachers or even our elementary school teachers, pastors, anyone who is teaching uses, almost always uses some form of illustrations, right? Some sort of metaphor that, you know, you, you take from, you know, culture you take from the physical world, whatever it might be, you say, see, it's kind of like this. And you try to make these connections. Well, in the first century where Jesus was teaching, there were shepherds all over the place. These were, these were just guys that were very much present in their world. So this is not some, you know, unique kind of thing. And so Jesus probably, as he's talking to them, looked around and saw some shepherds and their sheep and was like, hey, you know, this is, this situation is like a shepherd and their sheep and their pen. Now, uh, some things to understand here as we get into uh, 7 through 10 more specifically, a pen uh, was used oftentimes in the summer months uh, by these shepherds. They would take, you know, they'd take the sheep out, they'd take their flocks out and, uh, you know, they didn't want to have to come all the way back into town, drive them back into town just to go back out to the pasture. So what they would do is they would take some rocks and build, you know, just tall enough walls and then put some like thorns along the top of the wall uh, to, you know, kind of keep the sheep in and keep some of the predators out. And then uh, they would become the door for the wall by laying down in the entryway. All right, so, um, so this is kind of kind of what would happen. Now you have you have Jesus here in seven through ten. He says, "Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep." Now it's interesting here. He doesn't say he's the gatekeeper. He says he's the gate. 
And he is making a distinction between gate and gatekeeper. You see, the Pharisees were functioning as gatekeepers. They were determining who got to go in and who got to stay in. That is the function of the gatekeeper. Who decides who goes in? Jesus is saying, no, I am the gate. And by me, the sheep go in and they go out. It's a both and. They come in for protection and they go out for pasture. It is, it, is this, it is this flow of in and out. It is this picture of grace. You see that the gate, the gate is the passageway by which the sheep enter into protection. And it is the passageway by which the sheep go out into pasture. So this, as Jesus was talking about this, you know, this idea of, you know, I have come, they might have life, I'm going to have them to the full. This is what we need, isn't it? Don't we need protection and pasture? Don't we need the, you know, the security, the safety, knowing, knowing that there is a shepherd that cares, knowing that, that someone is watching out for us? And at the same time, knowing that, having that security, we are freed to go to pasture. We are freed to go out and and thrive and live. If the sheep are just kept in the pen, eventually they will run out of food. Eventually they will starve and they will die if they are never let out of the pen. And this, this is what is happening with the gatekeepers. This is what is happening with the religious elite of Jesus's day. They're, they're basically keeping the sheep in the pen and they're not allowing them to go out to pasture. They're so afraid of what would happen out in the pasture that they say, no, 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 no. You got to stay right here. You got to stay where we can watch you, where we can guard you, where we can protect you. Don't go out there. <laughs> Do not go out there. If you try to go out there, then you're not one of us. All right? This, this is, what's, this is what is, what's, what's going on here. And he says, all who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. You see, the thieves and robbers here probably are the religious leaders. Uh, they may also be pointing to number of the false messiahs that were floating around in, at this time. You know, people who were pointing to themselves. Um, there is uh, there's a chance, uh, you know, here in verse 10, which talks about, you know, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Uh, that you know he's that John here is again kind of doing some reading back and looking back to the consequences of the false messiahs because in in eighty seventy you have the sacking of Jerusalem and the fall of the temple and the fall of the city and and it's just a, a bad bad time. And what did you experience? You experienced. Stealing, killing, and destroying. The other thing here, though, I think this points to is that when we, when we try to use our own foolish strategies, the way, the way this comes to fruition is through, is through pain, heartache, violence, and destruction. When we seek to be the gatekeepers, when we seek to use our own foolish strategies, we move away from the life to the full, the flourishing human life that Jesus talks about. And, 
and we experience only, only pain and death. What was the what was the shepherd willing to do here? The shepherd, you know, Jesus being the gate, being willing to lay down, to lay down in the door and become the gate, to become the passageway, to say, through me you are saved. And this through me that you are saved is into the pen and out of the pen, from protection to pasture, a flourishing life. He's willing to lay down his life for for them you see jesus here this this contrast that he has set up it's so relevant for us today isn't it i mean so many of my colleagues so many so many people uh who would kind of be the pharisees of today we're just like the pharisees of old we're looking to maintain power and control over the lives of people. We want them to do the thing, do things the way we want them to do them. We've created our own foolish strategies and, and we have moved away from the strategies of grace. We have moved away from the Jesus way. We have, we have become gatekeepers in so many ways. And we are no longer, we are no longer following the one who was the gate. And so I think, I think maybe what we all need to ask ourselves is in what ways are we using foolish strategies, foolish strategies of the world that, that have the appearance of wisdom, right? It has the appearance of wisdom to grab hold of power, you know, to, to grab hold of, of might and strength, to try to dominate those who are different from us. Yeah, that has the appearance of wisdom in the world. And for a period of time, sometimes those who do go that route uh, look like they're winning. Sometimes uh, it looks that way. And so we get sucked in and we think, well, if it works for them, I guess it'll work for me. And I guess that's the way of the world. Uh, we need to go that route. No. No, because eventually Jesus says, all, all that will bring you, all that will bring you is heartache and pain, stealing, killing, and destruction. That's what it will bring you. When you follow, when you follow the foolish strategies of the world, that is what you will end up getting. But, but when we stop seeking to be gatekeepers, when we stop seeking to follow the ways of the gatekeepers. And we, we start looking towards the gate, right? What do we discover? We discover life and life to the full because we, dis we discover protection in the pen and pasture, which is this, this picture of joy and blessing and, uh, and life, life to the full. But we know, we know on the one hand that we have the protection, right? And on the other hand, we have the pasture. We have life to the full. There is freedom. There is freedom. So when Jesus says, I, I am the gate, whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and they will go out and find pasture. 
Friends, we can rest in the knowledge that we, that we are cared for, that we are deeply loved by, by the one who's willing to be the gate. And as a result of that, we get to go out and we can go out into the pasture and we can live life to the full. We can live a life that flourishes and however God has made us. And that, that is living the salvation life. That is what it looks like in the day to day to be saved. It's to, it's to, oh, it is, it is to live life free in the pasture, knowing that that freedom is rooted in the security of the protection of the one who is the gate. Guys, thanks for being with me this week. And I don't know, I, I, hope, I hope this was helpful to you. Uh, I would encourage you to really think through, you know, are you living a life of flourishing? Are you living life to the full? Um, because I think that's what Jesus wants us to live. I think he wants us to be a people whose lives flourish. And uh, so if this was helpful, share it. Share it with your friends. I would encourage you, wherever you uh, subscribe to the podcast, please rate it. Please comment. It helps other people find it. And um, if you want to continue the conversation with me, hit me up on Twitter, uh, at Daniel M. Rose. Or, uh, even better yet, you can hit me up on Telegram. And uh, Telegram is a fantastic uh, messaging uh, service that a number of my friends and I are using and uh, and it's it's really really great uh, you can hit me up there t.me slash Daniel M Rose um, so uh, yeah so let's let's connect and also make sure that you subscribe uh, at to love well uh, at danielmrose.com the easiest way uh, to have whatever I create uh, whether that's uh, publishing audio or um, writing gets dropped right into your inbox Uh, so thanks for being with me this week and until next time love well my friends